0: Hey Suburbanites, let's talk. Welcome back. So this episode is going to be one of the more serious topics that we'll cover. And today Yasmin is going to start us off and we're going to have a discussion about the Black Lives Matter movement, the history behind it, the statistics, and how you can better support it. And we don't mean to be a voice for Black people because, well, we're not a voice for Black people. We're not Black. But we just want to clarify and say that we see you, we hear you, we will always support you, and we will fight for you.
1: Yeah, Gia's 100% right. We are here to support all Black lives. So we're gonna start this discussion with some of the biggest atrocities in American history. And I think we can all agree that slavery is definitely one of them. But history books tell us that's in the past, right? Didn't the 13th Amendment abolish slavery? (laughs) Completely wrong. Slavery still exists today, just in a different way. In fact, the amendment literally says that slavery doesn't exist except as a punishment. And so of course it still exists as a punishment, this time in the form of mass incarceration.
0: And tell me why that's not taught in history books, huh? Tell me why. And now we're gonna drop some stats for y'all. Did you know that black people are 13% of the American population, but roughly 40% of the prison population? And even worse, they're approximately 20% more likely to be jailed for the same offense than their white counterparts. And
1: it doesn't end there. Did you know that companies like Target, Microsoft, McDonald's, etc. exploit this incarcerated group of over 2 million, the largest prison population in the world, and pay them much less than minimum wage to make
0: our products? Also, if you haven't watched it yet, please go watch The 13th on Netflix. It's a great documentary, and it goes a lot more in-depth on this issue, and I would highly, highly recommend it. And if we're talking about mass incarceration, even without it, the repercussions of slavery still exist today. Black people are here because their ancestors were forced into their way of life. However, most white people are here because of the choices their ancestors got to make. I've said it once. I'll say it again. I'll say it again and again. Exactly.
1: And after the supposedly ended black people were taken out of this forced lifestyle and basically left out on the road they didn't have these choices for their career or their lifestyle because of things like black codes and sharecropping they didn't receive any help and had nowhere to go the south basically
0: wanted to keep this aura of slavery going yeah and i read somewhere that it was almost as if the South had lost its dignity after the Civil War and they wanted to like find ways to make sure like that they could justify slavery a little bit more you know by creating like Jim Crow laws or like you said the black codes and a lot of people think that the fight for slavery or for black rights is just like slavery segregation civil rights boom we're in the 2000s like no these events actually lasted much longer than we think they did and they were imprinted on a whole generation, which means that these generations then taught future generations. And prejudice just didn't end with slavery or segregation, you know? Like, the fight still continues on today, and it's really sad that it continues on even today. So,
1: what would you say is a fight
0: that maybe we as high schoolers kind of witness? Um, like... The difference between how black students and other students are treated in schools, like stuff like the school to prison pipeline, which you definitely know more about, like, would you mind explaining that to us? Yeah, for sure. So
1: black students are approximately three times more likely than their white counterparts to be suspended for the same infraction. So it creates this sort of dynamic where white students can get away with racism and other bad behaviors, but black students, are supposedly considered violent and dangerous because they're the ones always
0: getting caught. Yeah, so basically like a lot of these brilliant black students are getting punished and excluded from educational spaces and you know we all know that disciplinary actions looks like super bad on college apps so these students who are unjustly punished appear to be like more inferior to their white counterparts when in real life they're just being wrongfully policed
1: you're so right on the wrongfully police.
0: And it doesn't even stop
1: there. Policing sometimes happens instead of suspension. So you have police officers who arrest black students at higher rates and for pettier actions. And so when these students are sent to juvenile centers because of the influence of other criminals, it creates a more toxic cycle where these students are more likely to commit crime
0: and they're worse off than when they were not in juvie and we see like these videos on the internet you know being shared on instagram being shared on snapchat about how like these police officers are like brutalizing these black kids and it it really is disheartening and it's become sort of a trend whereas it really should be oh black lives always matter and like This has been going on for a long time, you know, and it really sucks that it's black people that are being targeted now because some of the white students and even other people of color think they can get away with this bad behavior and racism that black people can't get away with. And then it becomes bigger when it goes to college and then in careers like healthcare. And if you look at the healthcare industry, it's so, so bad. Like if we take, for example, Henrietta Lacks, right? The HeLa cells, her cells were one of the first ones to uh, reproduce every 20 to 24 hours. And they were sold all over the world. And they were used to in multiple things such as like uh, finding cures for cancer. They're used in bone marrow transplants and they're sold everywhere, man, like everywhere. And her family didn't receive a single penny. And I remember reading this book in AP Lang
1: and it was really disheartening to see people take some sort of utilitarian mindset and think, oh, it's okay to encroach on people as long as science is advanced, but you really can't be using such toxic means for healthcare because at the end of the day, healthcare is about making sure every patient has proper accesses to resources for their physical and mental health.
0: And by the way, if you guys are wondering, the book is called... Um... The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks by Rebecca Skloot, And back to what Yasmin said about making sure every patient has proper access to like resources to for their physical and mental health. Let's take a look at J. Marion Sims for example of that. He used techniques for um, vesicovaginal fistula and he made a lot of progress for curing it and preventing it. But he experimented on black women and oftentimes he didn't even use like anesthesia or anything. And he treated these black women as if they were just animals who could feel, feel lesser pain. And black people are so mistreated in healthcare. Like these are people, you know, these aren't, these aren't just some experimental subjects. Exactly, and this isn't just a
1: past trend. You see today that black women are three times more likely to die from complications of childbirth than white women. And it's just disheartening to see all the neglect and lack of consideration from some doctors.
0: It really breaks my heart.
1: And then I know you were talking about bias in healthcare, and it's crazy to think that according to a study, 67% of doctors are
0: biased against their patients. Yeah, like I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and she was telling me she has like um, some health issues, and she keeps going to see doctors, but they keep dismissing it because Black people have to be more persistent, and this bias is just... It's crazy that even in healthcare, you see like this racial discrimination. And the bias doesn't just start in one day, you know? Like, you don't just out of the blue say, oh, hey, I'm going to be biased against black people. I'm going to be racist to black people.
1: And Gia's so right about how the bias doesn't just start in one day. And that's why it's really important to be calling out the cultural appropriation, the non black people saying the N word, and other acts of racism. So, Gia, what are some examples of racism that you've seen
0: in our environment and like a lot of the racism that i see it's not even like it's like very institutionalized within ourselves it's not like very apparent like you'll see this one kid post like oh it's not right for non-black people to say the n-word which it's not and then on the next slide be like endorsing the celebrity who has said the n-word and is not black
1: Exactly. And going off on the N-word, you have kids who are silent about the Black Lives Matter movement. And yet at the same time, they're a big fan of Black rappers and Black uh, athletes. But where is the support for all Black lives? And, you know, they're using more energy trying to justify the usage of the N-word while they're not Black. It's kind of crazy to think about that.
0: Yes, where is that energy when you are signing petitions? Where is that energy when supporting black-owned businesses, you know? Yeah, it's just
1: upsetting that people kind of just fetishize the black culture. Like they they want to care about the rap and they want to care about the hairstyles, like they want to wear durags and other black accessories, but they don't wanna care about the black students. I mean, I hear things like, oh, this student only got into college because of affirmative action. It's such a
0: toxic cycle. Yeah, and even going off of that, like you cannot use these things for fun when black people have been oppressed for generations for these like like hairstyles, for these um, cultural aspects. And it just, it's crazy. like. There are some aspects of black culture which people seem to appreciate, and that's something completely different, but there's also part where there's like a fine line between appreciation and appropriation, you know? Yeah, I definitely agree. I
1: think that one way you can distinguish that appreciation versus appropriation is that appropriation is when you kind of use a culture as an aesthetic, like when you wear a Native American costume for Halloween, but you don't care about Native culture at all. So these are personally three things that I think about when it's appreciation. First, learn about the culture. Second, when you use a culture, use it appropriately. Like, don't wear a piece that's meant for a wedding when you go to the beach. And third, always credit the culture you receive these traditions from.
0: Mm -hmm. I think that's really important too. And what do you think about like um, separating the artist versus the music or separating the art from the artist because i know that's like a super controversial topic and like a lot of people have questions about that so i was just like wondering if we could discuss that really quickly
1: yeah so if you guys saw our introduction i know g and i both mentioned that we're fans of k-pop so here's an example in exo you had kai who wore dreads in coco bop right and so Sometimes artists are ignorant of these things, especially if they're not growing up in a country where there's a lot of black culture. So, I think in cases like that, you have to educate them. Like, what they did is obviously wrong, but sometimes that cancel culture isn't appropriate. But when it's artists who have all the education, but choose to appropriate culture and choose to maliciously steal these traditions, that's when there's a problem.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see where you're going with that. And something else that I wanted to say is you have to see what the art is representing, you know? You have to, like, if it's representing something that is clearly done out of a malicious intent, then you're right, like, you you can't support that. And sometimes it is just a matter of educating people. And I think we really have to normalize um, education and bettering ourselves. Like, you can't just always... Be like, oh, this person said this completely canceled. Like, if they were uneducated, um, then you should educate that person and normalize them being sorry for it and normalize moving on from that. You know what I mean? I agree.
1: I think that it really sucks that for some people, anti-blackness has to be a phase. Like, Like, I don't even know what that is. But, I mean, we live in a society where there's so much systemic racism and we are working for a society where people can grow up and not be racist. But right now we need to normalize the process of
0: unlearning racism. Yeah, and it's not even just like one race versus the other race, it's within races too. We see a lot of like colorism within the Asian society, within even the black society with, you know, um, celebrities endorsing things like fairness creams, like fair and lovely and we even see it in history like rosa parks wasn't the first woman to sit in the front of the bus like there were other women before her but she was the image chosen to represent that because she was a more light-skinned um and a better historical representation as according to like old society back then exactly and a lot of
1: times that's not necessarily old society but just white supremacy, where whiteness
0: is considered the standard of beauty. So yeah, what do you think is like the distinction between white supremacy and white privilege? Just to, you know, make that more clear.
1: Yeah, so I think that white privilege doesn't mean that every white person has an easy life. It just means that your skin color isn't making your life any harder. But on the other hand, white supremacy is stuff like Rudyard Kipling's White Man's Burden, which is this idea that whiteness is superior and that white people need to civilize these other cultures and races.
0: Yeah, and if you want art that is uh, depicting this kind of nature or this kind of idea, um, you should definitely read Heart of Darkness. It was an amazing book. Um, I really liked it, and it talks about how... um, there were missions in the Congo area, and Yasmin, do you remember that book that we read in, um, that we read in AP Lang, the Poisonwood Bible? Yes, the Poisonwood Bible was amazing as well. Yeah, for sure.
1: And when we talk about Africa, there is so much vibrancy in culture, but there's also this destruction by these white colonial nations. I mean, we all know that, like one cartoon from our history classes, where Africa was basically treated as a cake. I mean, countries just chopped it all up and looted
0: it for resources such as diamonds, sugar, etc. Yeah, and that's, that's not a new thing. You know, that's not just an 1800s thing. That's been a 1600s thing, where Silk Road, you know, and then it was just, it's been happening for a long time. And I think that is what leads into these sort of racist ideals that we have today. The more underlying racist ideals, I would say.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think that you can definitely see a lot of these white supremacist behaviors today. And redlining is one of the most clear-cut examples. I mean, you had these banks that denied black people mortgages, and they didn't have access to the same housing as white people. Lenders literally used red ink to drop out areas on maps, and the desirable real estate was white only. And the black people were just forced into these more overcrowded areas which lenders said were bad property. Isn't that isn't that illegal? Yeah, exactly. But you know, it's still happening today under <laughs> the books. Oh okay. Um yeah.
0: That's that's crazy.
1: Yeah. And and it just doesn't even stop there. I mean, a lot of schools are funded by property tax and because of redlining, many black students their houses are considered worse property and so they they end up having a lot less money from these
0: property taxes so their schools aren't funded as much and that's not even all with housing you know what that reminds me of it reminds me of gentrification which also leads into this not just of houses but of also people because the way it's like the way that everything has to be suited to upper or elite class taste rather than leaving everything as it is like people fail to see the beauty of different cultures and mixes within the communities and it kind of reminds me of the gentrification of native americans and how entire villages cities and whole cultures were wiped out in order to create this more quote-unquote civilized structure
1: and what even is meant by civilized structure i mean there is so much vibrancy in black culture that needs to be appreciated so on that note what are some of your favorite
0: black films books basically any media Um, It's really difficult I know for a lot of people to pick out their favorite POC like authors or artists because a lot of the time media doesn't really show us representations of these amazing artists and I think that's like really sad and but my personal favorites are Phyllis Wheatley and Langston Hughes because I love poetry, especially the Harlem Renaissance poetry. I think it's amazing. And for my favorite book, I would have to say um, probably Michelle Obama's Becoming. What about you?
1: Like I mentioned before, I love psychoanalysis a lot, so Fanon is one of my favorite authors. He's this brilliant black psychoanalysis who discusses how the remnants of colonialism affects race relations. I also love Wahelier a lot, and I was introduced to him through debate, and he really talks about coping mechanisms in a systemic anti-black America. Um, finally, Hidden Figures is one of my favorite movie, and Katherine Johnson is an icon of mine. She was such a brilliant mathematician, and it just sucks that we don't see her story at the forefront of NASA.
0: hmm And I know we're throwing out, a, like, a lot of recommendations here, but if you guys want to read more about interracial, like, relations, I would definitely suggest Uncle Tom's Cabin by Harriet Tubman. And back to, like, what Yasmin was saying, it is really sad that the accomplishments of black people are just being pushed away and like swept under the rug because white history is often written as to be more important or like you know white elite people are the ones that are writing history deleting like all of the accomplishments of black people
1: exactly and it's not just the black history that's being disregarded a lot of atrocities against black people are purposely excluded from discourse so what would you say are some examples of that
0: um one thing I know of is police introducing drugs into black communities. Um, You know, we've all heard about this, but it is said that the CIA, um, you know, planted crack cocaine in black communities. And you know what's also bad?
1: That the war on drugs is meant to target hippies in black communities. But the reason why these drugs are in black communities are because of these police. And you know what really scares me? Black and white Americans sell and use drugs at similar rates but Black Americans are 2.7 times as likely to be arrested for drug-related offenses. And you know what kind of mindset this creates? So Blacks are assumed to be part of gangs for using drugs, but then white people, oh, it's just a rite of passage
0: in college or something like that. Mm -hmm. And these violent assumptions of Black people carry on to bigger things, like police brutality. And, I mean, police came... Like the system itself came from slave captors captors, and like the fugitive slave law. The system itself is inherently and systemically racist. And it's wrongfully killed so many people like George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, who was supposed to be safe in her own house and Elijah McClain. So what do you think about that? Those cases
1: really, really break my heart, especially with Elijah McClain. He was an angel who played violin for lonely cats. and. you know what that tells us it tells us that no matter how good black people are they're still victims of this horrible police police brutality
0: Mm -hmm. so what are some like solutions that you would recommend for combating this anti-blackness in our society today
1: Yeah, so it's hard to be out protesting right now because of the quarantine, but petitions, emailing slash calling reps, donating, educating yourself, these are all super, super viable options. And I think that you should check out our previous post. It has a lot of helpful resources and some links for things to help support this cause.
0: And just one more thing, if you guys are going out to protest, make sure you are safe, make sure you're wearing masks, and yeah, I agree with everything that you just said. It's really important to not just be, you know, putting stuff up on social media, but actively participating in change that needs to occur. Like Yasmin said, signing petitions, um, calling representatives, and most importantly, educating yourself uh, selves about what's happening in the world. Gia, I'm
1: really glad we had this conversation about anti-blackness, and I hope you guys all enjoyed listening to this podcast. I know it's a very serious issue but it's very very important to talk about so thanks guys for being here on our journey and this was suburbanized bye suburbanites